Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amon Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And as of recording, as we're recording this today, today is the last day of January, and I think it is a fitting time to sort of take the temperature of the room. Where do we feel gaming is at in early 2023? Now, I remember when we did a similar episode last year, this was on the heels of two major acquisition announcements, you know, Microsoft announcing the Activision acquisition, right? And Sony announcing the Bungie acquisition. And uh, it was a turbulent time, to say the least, in the gaming industry. And I think all things considered, right, things have quieted down a little bit. Like we were making predictions like, oh, all of these companies are going to get acquired at some point. And so far, that hasn't really panned out. And I think that's in large part to the sort of contentious state of the the Activision deal, but maybe we can talk about that. But I, 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 I guess uh, just to kick things off, I can throw the question over to you two, right? Like in the context of like gaming in general and considering like the big players like Microsoft, Nintendo, Sony, and uh, and Steam, how are we feeling? Uh, Steam's bigger than it's ever been for sure. Uh and growing right. with the Steam, so this popularity Steam of the Steam Deck and everything came out yeah. last year, right? And was a smashing success, kind uh, of redefined the way PC games are even thought of. Yeah, and I think the big surprise, like, hit for me there is how much Sony is supporting the Steam Deck. <laughs> uh, yeah, they don't. They seem generally unwilling to put out a uh, a PC port of a PlayStation game that is not Steam Deck verified. Yeah, I mean, like, there's just a lot of power in the handheld, and there always has been, right? Like, there's a reason Sony tried to, like, infiltrate that space, right? And got their lunch eaten by Nintendo, unfortunately. But well, I mean, the PSP was pretty successful. PSP was pretty successful. Vita, not so much, yeah. which is a shame, because I love the Vita a lot. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Sony would be fools to not recognize the power of... Is Sony inc- exclusive in in the palm of your hands? You know, like the Steam Deck makes that a reality, and you know, and that kind of folds into a larger discussion of Sony's uh, commitment to Steam and PC releases, as we're seeing that sort of get stronger yeah, and we're stronger. We're finally getting Returnal, like in a few days. Yeah, Returnal's coming soon. Uh, the Last of Us Part One. Actually, correction from last episode: it's not out on Steam yet, but will be soon. Oh, I also want to point out another correction. Um, we talked about Returnal having a 32 gig of RAM uh, requ- uh, recommended spec. Uh, that is not on Steam anymore. It, the recommended amount of RAM oh, wow. is 16 gigs now. So I don't know so if that was a So maybe that was, that was just a mistake. Yeah, yeah, but it was weird because it was like very publicly... It was there for a long time, too. It was covered, yeah. So it's strange. Yeah. So I don't... I don't know. 16 gigs of RAM is not a surprising amount of RAM for a game for a PS5 exclusive to ask for. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal with all that is. But yeah, increasing PC, uh, PC support, right? Returnal came out what in like 2021, right? So a little less than of a two year gap between console and PC release, right? We keep seeing that gap shrink more and more, right? Yeah, I, Returnal and- was actually one of the longer ones, wasn't it? I mean, uh, I mean, not when, what really, year did Miles right? Morales come out? Miles Morales was the same year, right? It was one of the launch games for PS5. Yeah, Returnal okay. launched as well, <clears throat> so it was right there around the same time. 
Because Miles Morales came out a while back on PC. Yeah, so, I mean, I think we're looking at one to two year time frame now for a lot of their exclusives, which is impressive, right? And I think the day is coming, maybe not this year, maybe not even next year, but the day is coming where we'll see a day and date release on PC. Yeah, I really think it's it's finishing up all the games that weren't started with that in, with that business in mind. Because I, I have a feeling most of the games that are being ported right now did not start development with PC in mind. But I, I imagine right. all future titles will. I have to imagine. Yeah, at this point, I it's guess... going to be a necessity. Yeah. PC is becoming such like a dominant force in the market again, which is wild. Yeah, PC, especially Steam, right, is seeing insane growth. It seems like every other day we read about records being smashed for like concurrent players. So I think overall gaming is very healthy right now. I do think it is worth maybe revisiting the big theme of last year, which was the acquisitions, right? And and maybe this is even a separate episode in and of itself. But the whole saga of Microsoft trying to acquire Activision Blizzard, if you've been following that, it's been quite a roller coaster. I, I right? saw recently uh I think it was an Activision executive pointed pointed out that uh the they were trying to use the success of the Last of Us HBO show to say that Sony like will still have dominance even if Microsoft acquires Activision Blizzard. And I I don't like that statement, but they do kind of have a point. You know, Call of, a Call of Duty TV show would, would do nothing for anyone. No one would care. <laughs> I guess what are you talking about like if they mean like dominant like in terms of mindshare, because they're, like, they're Call saying of Duty that has very hard numbers in terms of sales, right? They were, yeah. Their argument was that the value of the IP that Sony holds is still vastly outweighs the value of the IP Xbox would hold after, yeah, owning Call of Duty. And I, I don't know if that's true, honestly. I mean, Activision doesn't really have a lot of big IPs, but Blizzard does. I mean, I think it just can't be understated how massive Call of Duty is, right? Yeah. Like, it, it is the reason a lot of people play video games, for better or worse, right? But it, I do think it's fascinating, like, watching the story unfold, right? And Sony fighting tooth and nail, right? Like, as a company, I've never really seen Sony behave in this way, right? Like, they are, they're getting dirty in this fight to try and stop this deal from going through. Because... I guess they believe it really threatens their position, right? Like Microsoft with Call of Duty, and and, and it, even to the point where like Phil Spencer and Microsoft have come out and said like, "Look, Call of Duty is going to be on everything, right? Like it's not coming off of PlayStation ever, right?" And like Sony is not okay with that, right? They they do not want this deal to go through, and it seems like opposite, you know, them Microsoft is willing to make any concessions to get this deal to go through, including multi-platform availability in perpetuity which i don't know how true that really could be right but it's an interesting saga to follow and i'm curious to see where it ends up personally i think the deal is going to go through right like there's going to be a lot of kicking and screaming and maybe some concessions made but like yeah i still think the deal goes i think it's going to go through but i i do think it is a very unique occurrence in the industry where we haven't really quite seen anything like this where it's almost kind of childish i would say the way sony is behaving with some of these comments they're throwing 
uh, at Microsoft. It's just wild to me that Call of Duty can create such fuss. But hey, I don't make the rules. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, it's interesting to see PlayStation fighting tooth and nail over uh, a multi-platform title when they've been so hesitant to allow things like cross-platform multiplayer. They've been so hesitant to share anything they have. I mean, it's all, right, so it is hypocritical, but in the end, it's all about money, right? Like, this move will ensure lots of money into the pockets of their direct competitor, so they don't want it to happen. At the end of the day, they can use all the flowery, you know, language they want. It boils down to that. Yeah. But I guess since we're on the topic of Sony, we, we can talk about a couple other things, right? One, you know, the elephant in the room, which we discussed last week, the Last of Us HBO show is a surefire hit, and it's proving to be not just an excellent video game adaptation, but just a, an incredible show in general, uh, yeah, and it gets especially every after week. Yeah. episode three. Yeah, it seems to just improve with every episode, which is just uh, kind of shocking, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, it's insanely good. I think this is getting to the point where it's big enough where it will have an impact like on video games too, right? Like enough people are now seeing this and seeing the association with it like, hey, this is a PlayStation game to where like surely they're going to see a spike in, you know, new PlayStation gamers, I think. The the thing I'm real excited to see come out of Sony this year is the PSVR 2. Because Yeah, uh, that was the other big thing, right? I, I've so. talked VR I at a at a few of these like you know, state of gaming episodes we've done. And uh, I've, been, I've been pretty wrong every time. Like, I keep thinking it's going to take off and everything, but it's very dead in the water right now. Like, the last VR it game is. to come out that anybody cared about was Half-Life Alex, And, uh, yeah, that was, well, that's not true. Actually, I would say that core gamers cared about. The Oculus Quest has, like, some hits on it. It has, uh, there's, like, Monkey Tag is a thing, I think. I that, That's really big with kids and stuff. There's, like, some more casual experiences that are huge. And, like, then there was Phasmophobia VR and stuff. But I think, uh, I don't know, I I hope that Sony can bring us back on course with these yeah. core VR experiences that I'm more Especially interested in. Especially after uh, Meta kind of muddied the waters with, yeah. what is it called, the Metaverse, right? Yeah. Like, that really sort of just, I think, threw the trajectory of VR off and made it into this thing that, I really don't want it to be, right? Yeah. And hopefully, you know, Sony coming out with dedicated hardware, dedicated software will help course correct, if, for lack of a better word. I just sincerely hope that the PSVR 2 supports PC. I know that everything is pointing against it right now, except, like, how open Sony's been about supporting right. PC with their games recently. And I just don't... I don't see any reason to not let me plug your headset in so that I can play Horizon, like the VR Horizon experience on my PC. I think, I don't know what, I don't have any comments about unofficial support, right? But in terms of official support, I could see them waiting maybe a year, maybe two, and then releasing official PC VR support. I can't comment on whether it's actually possible or not. It's just something I could see making sense from a business perspective, right? It's just like, because I think they want to give, right now they're still under the mentality where like they want to serve the PlayStation loyalists first. It's right? just such and a weird product for thing. me. Yeah. Because like, as a VR, what, they, they're charging $500 for it? Is that? 
It's actually 550, which Five, it, it costs more than a PlayStation yeah. 5, which So is, as a console peripheral, absurdly expensive, like stupidly expensive. And that if anything, that is what's going to kill this thing. And that's what kind of worries me, right? Like yeah. that is not a very consumer-friendly price point. Yeah. But like I don't really know, like with the specs that they're putting into it, I don't know what the solution is other than just take a huge loss. But it's just but as a PC VR headset, that price is not like people are paying a thousand bucks for for you know the, no the Valve Index is a thousand bucks. I think the okay. Vive Pro is like thirteen hundred. The the Vive is like eight hundred or something. You know people are paying six hundred to a thousand dollars for PC headsets all the time. Like it's, it wouldn't be out of place in that market at all. But as something that I can only plug into my PS Five and like. The, the way I see a, a VR headset, and maybe this is a flawed way of looking at it, but it's like a, it's like buying a TV. You buy a TV, and a TV is going to have, you know, you wouldn't buy a TV that you can only hook up to your PlayStation. That would be insane. Yeah. And that's that's what you're doing when you buy the PSVR 2 in, in some ways. Whereas, like, you know, if I buy the PSVR 2, I'm satisfied with the resolution, I'm satisfied with the specs, then I upgrade my PC down the line and it works on my PC still, like, I'm having a better experience, and my headset is still great. But the yeah. PS5 is not an upgradable, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just not it's an option. It's tricky, because Sony is currently in the middle of, like, two philosophies. One is their old way of thinking, where it's just, like, get things on our platform only, and it'll make people come to our platform. And two is their new way of thinking, where it's just, like, put it on PC for the masses to enjoy, right? I think with VR, it does make sense to put it on PC right away, right? Yeah. Like, VR needs a massive shot in the arm, and that's the way you do it. Also, they would, and, like, it would still basically be exclusive to them because they will be still the only ones putting out these quality AAA-level VR experiences. There's no one else doing that right now. Yeah, I'm just worried, right? Like, I so badly want this thing to do well and kind of give VR a shot in the arm. But, Me like, too. at a $550 price point on PlayStation 5, which... Granted, is now, like, you could just walk into a store and buy a PlayStation 5. Now the supply issues are largely over. But, so you're, you're, you're asking someone to essentially pay over $1,000 to get into your VR solution, which is, you know, like, I guess comparable if you buy, like, an Index or a Vive, like you said, Connor. But it's just... If you already have a that PC, audience, yeah. I don't know if that audience is willing to do that, right? Like the core PS5 audience. I don't know if they're willing to do that. I mean, obviously PS5 will have its VR enthusiasts like me, but like this thing, I don't know if it could be like another It'll be very hard pressed to pay right? for Like itself. another successful Sony peripheral. I just don't know. Do you know what and the that, sales numbers on the first PSVR were? So between 2016 and 2020, PSVR sold over 5 million units. So I would assume... That's slightly higher than that, right? Yeah. And, and if you think about the install base of the PS4, right? Like over 100 million units out in the wild, right? So less than 5% of your audience buying this thing isn't great. Right. It's not like horrendous, right? 5 million is still 5 million, but like it should be better and it could be better. Uh, yeah, but you're looking, you're making games specifically for this thing and you look... And there's only 5 yeah. million people who could possibly buy your game. Yeah, that that's what worries me, right? Because, like, they are putting support into this thing for now, right? Like, 
But I worry, like, it, it might be like a negative feedback cycle where it's just like, okay, not enough people buy this thing, so they don't feel as incentivized to put more first-party games out, so not pe- people, you know, in turn don't buy it because there are no fr- first-party games and yeah. so on and so forth. I mean, we've forth, seen so Sony do that dies. exact thing before with the PS Vita. With the, yeah, with the PS Vita, yeah. Rest in peace. So, I don't know. Like, right now, I'm unfortunately feeling a little pessimistic, but I hope... Uh, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope this thing does catch fire, and I hope it yeah. it does well. I'd I'd love you know even if I'm not buying a new headset, I would just love for there to be some some games out there that give me a reason to blow the dust off of mine. I I can't even yeah. remember the last time I got my headset out. I think probably played Beat Saber, which is the same game I always play in VR. There just haven't been. I don't know. There's just not been enough buzz. There've been some cool VR modes like Hitman and stuff. I think the unfortunate reality is that. VR has not had its killer app yet. And I know that's kind of silly to say when we have great VR games like Half-Life Alex and even, you know, like some of the Sony stuff like Astrobot Rescue Mission, right? But like there is not, it hasn't had its Mario 64 moment yet where it's just like everyone has to play this. And I don't even know if such a thing is even possible in like yeah, 2023. I don't really but, like, agree. I think Because like Mario 64 was the killer app that started 3D, right? Yeah. But the N64 was still not a yeah, well-performing console <laughs> like it didn't not none of nintendo's consoles historically up until the wii performed super well all things considered right if we're comparing nintendo to itself and to its peers nintendo 64 did underperform yeah which is For, kind so of surprising pretty significantly yeah the gamecube did too and so like i think half-life alex was the vr killer app the problem is if if we're calling half-life alex our super mario 64 the problem is that there was no ocarina of time following it like well i don't even know if i okay so i my perspective on this is that yes half-life alex is a killer app for vr but how many people realistically could play it right i think maybe a killer app for vr needs to be accessible on maybe even the lowest end headset to get the masses into it yeah it's just tough right because like vr inherently is a very expensive subset of an already expensive hobby I will say Half-Life Alex, it has over 2 million owners, uh, according to UploadVR.com. I mean, that's great and all, but like... I mean, when the PSVR 1 only sold 5 million units, like, I don't know, selling 2 million of a VR game is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So, it is impressive, right? VR but it's not is, a, is a high-end technology. It's not like a console. And Half-Life Alex was playable on the lowest end VR. Like, you could, you could play Half-Life Alex on a 980, okay. I think. And any VR headset, including a, play- a PSVR one hooked up to a PC. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it didn't set the world on fire. Like it did Mario for a did. while. It like people were talking about that game for a bit, but you're right. Like there was no follow up to it. See, like it an- another went. example I want to bring up, right? Is Wii Sports. Wii Sports, for better or worse, yeah, set the world on fire. But that's yeah, because it was another... included with every Wii. It was included with every Wii, but it still defined an entire generation of games, and games still have motion controls to this day, largely because of that game, right? Like, I, I don't know. So you can't, I can't I, argue for, like, Wii, Wii Sports sales since it was a boxed-in game. No, no, yeah. no, so I'm not arguing for its sales. I'm saying, like, the impact that game no, had. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's brain, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How many people know about it? Mindshare. Mindshare, thank you. I mean, that's just the Wii in general. There's not a lot of Wii title things that people don't remember. 
Because yeah. that's just the nature of the Wii. Like, everyone yeah. had a Wii. But yeah, everyone I, had a Wii. Yeah. So, proportionally, like, the mind share of, say, like, any Wii-branded game is going to be higher than any other but game here's the thing. Why, why did everyone have a Wii? It's because the motion controls made that accessible to everyone, right? Yeah. Like, we need a VR app that isn't the metaverse that is accessible to everyone and hooks everyone and yeah. convinces everyone that VR... Yeah, and it's not going to be a first-person shooter. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's not going to be a first-person shooter. Maybe th- that was the sort of point I was getting at. I don't know yeah. if I articulated You're that right. perfectly. Yeah. But yeah. It's not so, going to be, and Half Life is somewhat a niche franchise anyway. It's a post-apocalyptic like, and it's and it, yeah, and Half Life Alex being a weird prequel to your, yeah, it's not going to be that. <laughs> yeah, and and don't get me wrong, Half Life Alex is probably the number one game I want to play in VR. Like, I'm going to make an argument for VR chat as like the killer title for VR. It would be if it was like. <sighs> if it was easier to get into vr chat is not there's like a weird like i've tried to play vr chat a few times and i i was able to like find stuff in it but there is this weird barrier to entry where you have to just know some stuff and not everybody's gonna get through that i mean no i I hear your point mike like vr definitely has some killer titles but i feel like they're largely for people who already are familiar with vr like I feel like there needs to be some there needs to be like a Pokemon Go moment, right? There needs to be like I said a Wii Sports moment. There needs to be an N6, Mario 64 moment where it's just like it captivates everyone and no one can look away because it's just so prevalent. Yeah, I, and I, I and like I said, I don't even know if that's possible. Yeah, I was going to say if right? I knew like, what it was, I would be making it right now. So. Yeah, I don't even know if that's possible. Yeah. It might be, it might not be, right? Like we might just as just where gaming is right now, how far it's come, right? Like, I don't know if such an event is possible again, right? But yeah. And I'd I don't think... proven wrong. I don't think it's going to come out in 2023, because I don't think any of the stuff for PSVR 2 is going to be that. I, no, I, think I don't think it's so. going to be cool, but, like, the the break the breakout app on VR is not going to be a Horizon game. It's... Uh, yeah, absolutely not. You know, yeah. it's, it, that, it just requires too much requisite knowledge. Yeah, so... I feel like we almost have the same hope every year, right? But like we're still waiting, which is crazy to me because I felt I feel like we talked about this when we first started the podcast. Yeah, we're still waiting. Yeah, for for VR to have that moment, which I I haven't lost all hope. I still think it's possible, but I don't know. It's just uh, it's very hard, especially in twenty twenty three. And other news, big uh, well, sort of. Sort of a big shakeup, more of a whimper, but E3 is just done this year. Uh, none yeah, of the I big mean, three like, are going to be there. So I guess E3 will be Ubisoft and EA yeah, uh, and Activision, I guess. I'm not watching that. <laughs> but uh, it really, I mean, again, I mean, that's an important thing to highlight because of the. that's another huge shift in the industry where it's like these, the three main, you know, first party companies, Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo have proven that like they don't need e3 anymore right like they could put out a tweet or like a short video saying hey tomorrow or the day after tomorrow we're gonna have a showcase and millions of people will show up and watch it which is crazy right like that they've attained that level of like i will say they haven't nailed it nintendo are still the only ones that in my opinion can consistently put together a fun showcase sony is in a close second place on that one xbox i agree y'all yeah like and, yeah, and Sony I, Xbox like Xbox needs some work. Close second, 
might be generous for Sony. Like, I, it's not that the game, like, Sony has the games, but Nintendo has the games and the presentation down for, like, yeah. In a way that I can't really explain. I think both Sony and Microsoft are still sort of trying to figure out their version of the Nintendo Direct. That I Xbox th- agree Direct. That, I do agree that Sony is closer than Microsoft to figuring that out. But I almost didn't play Hi-Fi Rush because of that Xbox Direct the other apparently day. Apparently Hi-Fi slaps. Rush is very good. It's extremely yeah. fun. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. is it fun. But that, that Direct was so boring. It, it took games that I was interested in, like Redfall and stuff, and made me like just exhausted to hear about them. And, and we'll get to Xbox here in a minute, but like I guess just to sort of close out the Sony discussion, right? We've got you know there are two big things, which is their adaptations, right? First of all, being The Last of Us, but there's several other things in production, right? A God of War show on Amazon, a Horizon show on Netflix, right? I don't think either of those will be as successful as The Last of Us, but we'll see. And the other big thing is PSVR two. You know, it's it's kind of funny to say, right, they're a video games company, but I think their number three big thing are their exclusives this year, primary of which is Spider-Man 2. So That's going to be late this year, right? In the that's going to be fall this year, you know, yeah. hopefully, right? Insomniac's pretty good about nailing their dates, right? So I don't think it'll get delayed, but Spider-Man 2 is due for this year, right? And uh, as we know, Spider-Man 1 sort of just took over the sony ecosystem when it came out uh in 2018 and i expect uh spider-man 2 to do the same thing spider-man 2 is going to be hard waiting on that port and i'm very happy that spider-man 2 is ps5 only not ps4 ps5 cross generation so Uh, you see i'm i don't know like there are some games where i i get that that adds stuff i don't know i don't know what spider-man is necessarily going to get out of that because spider-man already had like no load times unless you got on the subway yeah, no load times. I'm just thinking about the visual fidelity, right? Because I, I, I look back at what uh, Insomniac did with Ratchet & Clank as a PS5 exclusive, and to this day, it's still probably, like, yeah. one of, if not the best PS5 games graphically. And Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. excited it, for that to come to Spider-Man as well. It just seems like you can always strip stuff out to make a PS4 port. Like, they're going to port this to yeah. PC, and it's going to run on the same PCs that the other two Spider-Man games ran on. It's going to run on yeah, the Steam I don't know. Deck. It's going to, you know, it just seems yeah, like you can I, I, make I'm a downgraded I'm curious to version, see so. if, you know, like they actually have, beyond just the fast loading of an SSD, if they use next generation, in quotes, technology that only the PS5 has and not the PS4 in ways, in, in unique ways in, in Spider-Man 2, right? Like, yeah. I don't know if that means using the SSD in unique ways or what, but yeah. the, there's I a mean, reason yeah. why right like spider-man 2 right it it, it's actually almost baffling right because like it would make sense for them to release spider-man 2 on ps4 right spider-man was their best-selling exclusive at the time and this one's only on ps5 which if we're comparing to ps4 right there's only a fraction of the amount of ps5s as there are ps4s out in the wild so it certainly is a bold decision i think and i think there is going to be a reason for that and we'll we'll see that as we see more of the game but yeah, definitely excited for that. I can't really think of any other big Sony exclusives this year. I'm sure I'm missing something, but Spider-Man 2 is certainly the biggest one. Hopefully Ragnarok comes to PC this year, but it's not announced. Yeah, I mean, it, it is inevitable, I think, but I don't oh, know yeah. if it'll happen this year. It would just be cool but, for them to give us God of War 2018 and not Ragnarok. That would be right. Yeah, incredibly cruel. But yeah, I don't know. Sony is looking to have a an exciting year, I think, you know, with 
the shows, with PSVR 2, and with big hitting exclusives. So maybe we can move on to someone else now. Who do you want to talk about next? Xbox or Nintendo? I think Nintendo's probably got the strongest year of anybody coming up by by one yeah, game I mean, alone. The big uh, <laughs> right, like the Elden Ring of the room here, right? Like yeah. they're releasing the sequel to Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom, almost a shoe in for just winning all the awards at the Game Awards, right? Like I mean already right we've barely seen anything of this game and i can confidently say that tears of the kingdom is the game to beat it's almost you know like like with elden ring right it was it was obviously miyazaki very renowned name but it was largely an unknown quantity right like i was looking forward to elden ring but i did not expect like that 97 98 metacritic right like that was just like that went beyond my wildest ex- expectations yeah but with tears of the kingdom those expectations are already there so I'm curious to see how it manages to match or exceed those, because, like, Elden I, Ring really didn't have anything to prove, right? It just came out and was magnificent, no, right? This game has more potential to disappoint than maybe than any, any game, game I've played yeah. since that fateful day in 2007 when <laughs> Spore came out. Because I can't imagine, you know, like, the pressure Nintendo must feel with this game. You're following up Breath of the Wild, which you know, set the world on fire. Yeah. And uh, you're doing it uh, in a post-Elden Ring world. And on the very old, at this point, Switch hardware. And and you're almost guaranteed to be locked at 30 frames per second. But, you know, to be fair, if Tears of the Kingdom ran at 10 frames a second, I'd still... I, I don't think it's guaranteed, because it, they could release a game that doesn't look any better than Breath of the Wild, and it would be fine. Like I think that's the, what they're going to do, honestly. Breath of the Wild wasn't yeah. 30. Like, Breath of the Wild was higher than 30 a lot of the time, I Breath think. Of the, Breath of the Wild was 30. Was it really? I, I hate to break it to you, yes. Okay. Dang. I haven't yeah, played it in a thing, very though, long like, time. Switch for me, like, so, like, you know, I, I've talked about this on the show in the past, but, like, 30 frames per second gaming is just unacceptable to me, right? Like, on yeah. console and on PC, right? Like, the only place I make an exception are handheld games, right? Because it doesn't bother me as much. Because it literally starts to make me dizzy now when I play a 30 FPS game on a TV <laughs> or a monitor, but not on the Switch for whatever reason, right? And I don't know if it's because I can, like, Maybe it's smaller. Maybe I can hold it further away from my face. Yeah, so it's probably your TV is really probably pretty me. big. So yeah, it's probably but, how much of your field of view it takes up. Yeah. So I I do I will tolerate Zelda at thirty frames per second, but I will be playing it handheld, which is not how I want to play Zelda. But nah, I'll be playing well. it on the big screen. I'll I'll just be putting up with it. I don't. I don't know. I I play most of my Steam Deck games at at forty frames per second, just because like. For Forty frames per second stuff. is a pretty. For I mean, it's cool a significant jump over thirty. Rev- yeah, and it, it's a cool revelation, especially in this console generation, right? Like, obviously, PCs have variable frame rates. They've been using forty FPS for forever, but especially with this generation, pioneered by Insomniac, right? Sony has been putting out forty FPS games, and it's been sweet, right? It's a great like middle ground between like really high fidelity resolution if you're into that and at the halfway point to 60 which is 40 frames per second yeah yeah it works i i like it i i don't think tears of the kingdom will bother me at 30 though it's not a high action game i don't know but it, it does have like like we already know it's in an old hyrule and everything I, it does have the greatest potential to disappoint out of maybe any game ever it does and and you know like you don't bet against Zelda, right? No. Like, 
you don't, right? Like, maybe if you bet against them when Skyward Sword came out, you won, right? Like, but that is, like, the only time. Yeah. Their their track record so far has been close to perfect, right? And even Skyward Sword is a pretty good game, right? Like, I'm not gonna... It's just the worst one. Yeah. But it's not a bad game. And especially taking the design philosophies of Breath of the Wild and improving upon those, you know, like, we're being kind of negative right now, pessimistic right now, but, like, on the flip side, what if they show everyone what an evolved Breath of the Wild-style world could look like. And that will be the new benchmark going forward. I think that's equally as likely to happen, considering the caliber of developer we're considering here. It has potential to be, like, one of the greatest games of all time, for sure. Like, it, it it's not going to compete with Outer Wilds for me, but it could be, you know, an easy top five. Yeah. I if, mean, if, that's it just... is, if it is only as good as Breath of the Wild, I think it'll make top five. Yeah, I. but that's the thing, though. Like, it can't be... Nintendo has to know it can't just be as good as, as Breath of the Wild. They're going to go for it. They have to, yeah. They're going to go for it, and they might not I have no idea what that even looks it. like. Yeah, I don't. I, like, I mean, I it, did, look, it looks like Elden Ring, Nintendo. but yeah. <laughs> but it's not going to look like The question is, Elden like, Ring. do they go further beyond yeah. what Elden Ring did, which is uh, an exciting prospect. And, and again, I don't even know what that looks like, right? Like, I'm not smart enough to envision such a thing but does but, nintendo have anything else on the on our plate for this year we don't know yeah, anything about, about metroid that. prime yeah. 4 so metroid prime 4 i don't i don't know if that's happening this year apparently the metroid remakes were supposed to happen as well like the metroid prime remakes sorry okay uh, well, that, that never got announced for years yeah wind waker twilight princess on switch was supposed to happen last year that never got announced so you never really know with nintendo we're not really due for it. I mean, like, they're only it's been a big long game time so far. I mean, their only big game was uh, Fire Emblem. Oh, uh, yeah. Engage, yeah. Yeah. And that seems to have gotten kind of a lukewarm reception. But that's Fire Emblem for you, kind of. Yeah, I mean, like, Fire Emblem... I don't want to be insulting here, but it's very much a B franchise for yeah, Nintendo, right? Definitely. It's not like a C franchise, but it's a B franchise. So Metroid, but it's not though. an A or, like, an S franchise, right? But like you said, it's been uh, a long time since we got Super Mario Odyssey. And I think Bowser's Fury was a taste of what that team was cooking up. So Bowser's Fury was like 2020 too, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Yeah, so So it's been a while since that too. Yeah, we're in 2023. So good. So, and like I'm, I'm pretty convinced that Bowser's Fury was not created in a vacuum. I'm pretty sure that was the product of. Like, maybe just a side project while Nintendo developed the next mainline Mario, right? That, With Bowser Fury-esque principles. It's still, that, I think, my favorite. That's kind of favorite, what my thought is. Like, it's my favorite 3D Mario. Like, it, So it's, just imagine a full-fledged 3D Mario yeah. based off of Bowser's Fury mechanics. That's just... Man, yeah. When, when Nintendo cooks, they cook, dude. Like, yeah. they... Uh, there's nothing quite like them. We'll probably do a direct here soon. So that'll... I think they usually do one in February. Yeah, yeah, but like Nintendo, I I don't know. I I think their cards are kind of close to their chest as they usually are, right? Like at one point, I definitely believed we were getting a Switch successor this year. I don't think that's going to happen now. No, I, don't I think maybe fall twenty twenty four is when we see a Switch successor. Like there, there is going to be a Switch successor. Let's not let's not uh, get that twisted. Dev kits are being made, right? Like there is enough smoke around this thing for there to be a fire. A Switch 2, Switch Pro, whatever they're going to call it, new Switch, I don't know what it is, but it exists, right? Think worse. Think worse name. Yeah, new Nintendo Switch U2. 
<laughs> that's what it is. But, you know, it's another one of those things where it's funny because, like, I can go back maybe two, even three years, and we, we were talking about a Switch successor, right? Like, like yeah. it was some imminent thing, which is uh, funny to me, right? Nintendo never really operates on the timeline people expect them to. But it is getting close to that time, right? The Switch is showing its age for sure. And uh, I'm excited what a next-generation Switch, right? We've already heard about what's going to be packed into this thing, right? And, it, and those rumors are surely, surely accurate, right? Like the DLSS rumors and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to see a Switch successor. I do think it will be a Switch 2 and not some out-of-left-field thing. And I do think it'll come out next year, or at least be announced next year. Yeah, I suspect it'll get announced this summer. Well, I don't know if they'll want to take any heat off uh, Tears of the Kingdom, so maybe no, not this no. summer. That's, yeah. I think I, I think there is a world where, like, early on in development, they were thinking, like, hey, maybe Tears of the Kingdom could be a Switch 2 launch game, but it, I don't think the timing ended up working out, right? Yeah. So, like, Tears of the Kingdom will certainly be a Switch game. I, I wonder if the Switch will, you know, because if, if it's any more intense graphically than Breath of the Wild, that console is going to struggle with that game. Yeah. But but we shall see. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, Nintendo, exciting as well for different reasons than Sony, right? Sony's kind of branching out in, in new paths, but Nintendo's got a, a juggernaut coming that has the potential to once again redefine the gaming landscape. So I think that's the big thing with Nintendo and, and a new console on the horizon, but we might not get that hear anything about that this year yeah uh are there any other nintendo exclusives that have been confirmed like is there a pokemon game happening a nothing confirmed i don't know right now We're, yeah pro- next it's up too is probably early. dlc for uh scarlet and violet scarlet violet yeah yeah but there usually tends to be like a mainline pokemon or not not a main like a pokemon It'll game be a every black year. and white remake oh uh, yeah we're, we are due for that although we? there are some people thinking we're gonna get a sequel to legends arceus as well that could be cool. There, there yeah. were there were some um, theories that they were gonna like alternate between a Legends game and a mainline game. Yeah, so that, that could work. That could be interesting. But yeah, I don't know. Like uh, two year dev cycle is still quick for a Pokemon game. Arceus, I hope Arceus isn't just a one off, right? Because like Nintendo did like Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, and and like people thought like, hey, maybe we'll get Let's Go Johto games, and that never happened, right? Like so. Yeah. But but they do have something unique and special on their hands, I think, with Arceus. So, yeah, more so than they did with Let's Go. More so with Let's Go, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Let's Go was kind of. I mean, I I buy a lot of Pokemon. I mean, stuff. Le- I Let's, Let's Go, Go was actually fun. I liked it, but it was very much just it was capitalizing on Pokemon Go. Like it had the same capture mechanics and everything, and I, that's not really something I'm too interested in. And like for a main Pokemon game, a main like Pokemon game, at least. Yeah. Okay, uh, any other thoughts for Nintendo before we move on? So the last of the big three, obviously, Microsoft. And um, Microsoft, there's a few interesting points with Microsoft, right? Obviously, we discussed the big elephant in the room at the beginning of the show with the acquisition that they're still trying to get through. This acquisition will, I mean, I, I would go so far as to say is define the entire company define xbox as a brand going forward if it does go through right like xbox will be the home of call of duty which is the most successful gaming franchise of all time uh and not only that they get like blizzard stuff and like 
all sorts of other goodies. So I I don't mean a- to correct like is is Call of Duty still bigger than Fortnite? I I don't know if I don't know how comparable like I don't know if we can make that comparison because one's a games as a service and one's a release every year. So yeah, I, just, I guess we could try and like dig up financials, but I don't know if I want to do that. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I just want somebody Fortnite's, to be bigger than Call of Duty. Yeah, I think it's a bad right? game. Like even if it's Fortnite, like Fortnite's a good game. Fortnite should be bigger than Call of Fortnite Duty. Fortnite just makes me cringe sometimes. Fortnite's fun. Call of Duty's not easy. <laughs> Okay, so we, we discussed the Activision stuff at the beginning, but Activision stuff aside, right, this is going to be a big year for Xbox, right? We've got Starfield, which is the hotly anticipated Bethesda release. And I do think, I've said this before, but I do think Bethesda has a lot to prove uh, with, with Starfield, right? Like, they, yeah. like, obviously Fallout 76 started out in a horrendous state, but has been getting better, I've heard, over time, and it actually has a pretty healthy player base now, believe it or not. But the cutesy Bethesda day one bugs aren't going to fly in 2023. Like, you got a pass for, like, Skyrim and Oblivion because you were the kind of the leader of the pack back then for those kind of games, but you are not that now. Uh, And, you know, if you take issue with that, fine, but I don't think they are, right? Like, there are games... that have come out, and Bethesda-esque games, I should say, right, that have run circles around them. And, uh, yeah, I I think Starfield has a lot to prove, and I do think they have the ability to blow everyone away with Starfield. Like, if they play their cards right with that game, that will be, like, a pretty special game, I think. I'm curious to see if Bethesda has it in them still, right? Because, like... I do harp on Bethesda a lot, but there is something special about a Bethesda game. Like, like obviously not the bugs and stuff, but, like, I, I'll never forget playing Skyrim for the first time. And if they can recapture that magic yeah. with Starfield, that would be something special. I agree. I also, like, the Series X, part of me wants to say, like, the Series X needs its system seller, which it really doesn't have yet. Yeah, and but I, I think I, we can... I, sorry, go ahead. I don't... I, I, I think it is true that it doesn't have its system seller yet, but I don't know if it's true that it really needs one because the system seller is Game Pass. It, I don't know. I think I think it does need one, right? And it's fine if the system seller is on Game Pass, right? That's where it should go. But, like, yeah. it still needs one, right? Like, and Halo was supposed to be that, and we all know how that ended up. Halo and 343, right? Like, I, I think there was an article I read today, and I forgot to send it to you guys, but... 343 is seeing some major restructuring. They're letting go of a lot of employees. They're basically soft rebooting Halo, right, with the focus on only the multiplayer, right? Like, Halo is going to be different going forward. Yeah. Which I mean, is, I, I, Xbox internally has not released a, an amazing game in a very long time. Like, so. <laughs> I think the counterpoint to that is Forza. The Forza releases are always, like, really critically acclaimed and played by a lot of people but they're not our kind of games yeah so they, talk they about appeal the to show. their niche yeah yeah the the other counterpoint is like you know the people that like sea of thieves really like sea of thieves but i i still it released was with next to no content and has been a mess since release it's not really gotten any better on that front i mean it's no secret right like 
Xbox is behind PlayStation and Nintendo in terms of games, right? Like yeah. they have Game Pass to make up for that, but in terms of Xbox games, they are behind. Now, I will say there is certainly potential, right? Like we see Hi-Fi Rush just shadow drop and everyone seems to be in love with that game. But that's a Bethesda game, isn't it? Yeah, Bethesda published it. Yeah, it was Tango Gameworks published by, so, published so by Bethesda. So only by a technicality, an internal Xbox game. But that's the thing. How long can it be a technicality? Bethesda is Xbox now. I know, but so. like, the, the problem is Bethesda has always put out, you know, a, a level of quality that I can trust to some extent, like, it, it, especially in the, right. on they, their publishing I mean, they publish like, like Doom, right? Yeah, so. Doom. Uh, they, they do Arcane, right? So like Prey yeah. and uh, they've got Redfall coming and all of that. Like, that's all going to be good. Yeah, Bethesda, Bethesda, the publisher, is pretty darn reliable. Yeah. Bethesda, the studio, little is less a so. little more shaky yeah. right now. But, you know, like, but, okay, so Hi-Fi Rush is one example. Pentiment, which released last year, is another example of a game that sort of just came out of nowhere and was a critical darling. Yeah. But, like... Boy, is it a weird one, though. I don't know if it, you guys it, have played it. Is it is a weird one. I played a little bit of it, and I just didn't... It put it's a me little heady a little for me. Yeah. But I do respect it, right? Like, it's it's a very unique game. It's a game that could not have gotten made in a world that doesn't have Game Pass. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. So Game Pass is doing good things, right? It's allowing people's dream games to get made, right? It's, it's allowing developers to... It, it mitigates a lot of the risk. So developers can sort of make what they want. But I still think the fact of the matter stands, Xbox needs, much, much like VR needs its killer app, Xbox needs its killer app. Halo was it during the 360 era, right? Halo does not have the same power anymore. I'm sorry. I know there's a Halo TV show. I know That's as bad. a brand, like, Halo still probably is the head of Xbox. It's not enough, I'm telling you. It's not there good. There has to be like, something else. The, the Halo yeah. multiplayer is fun, but the Halo, Halo Infinite's campaign was just boring like it, it wasn't even a like like i think it's the worst a game can be is like i didn't even put it down out of frustration it's one of those things i just turned it off and never felt the urge to turn it on again and i looked a few months later and saw that i still had it installed i do think realized like realized i'd never play it again in a in a parallel universe where the management at 343 was uh sufficiently adept to contend with the vision for that game that game would have been incredible right cuz like the campaign if you read, I've read about this game quite a bit, and like the campaign got pared down significantly. Like, yeah. it's almost nothing like its original vision was for the game. So, a lot of compromises had to get made to get Halo Infinite out the door, and which which is a shame because I do think there were solid ideas there. They wanted Halo Infinite to be the foundation for Halo for the next what they said like ten years. Clearly, that's not happening. Or they're already like soft rebooting Halo. They're getting rid of a lot of current 343 staff, restructuring the management, etc. Like, so, 343 will be the Halo developers going forward, but Halo, once again, needs to undergo a transformation to stay relevant. But, like, and, and don't get me wrong, Halo is relevant. It's just not the juggernaut it used to be. And I still think Microsoft has to find that for the modern era to sort of compete with its competitors. Yeah. I agree. And obviously, Game Game Pass, right? Like, we have to mention Game Pass. Game Pass, it's been doing better and better, right? Like, subscriber-wise, it allows for the release of unique games, and more and more games get added to it, right? And it is a way to sort of just open gaming up to the masses. 
the masses who are already very used to paying a subscription for Netflix and for Hulu and whatever, right? It's just another subscription. But I don't think it's enough. We see Game Pass numbers sort of stagnating. We see Microsoft report that they, like while Game Pass is doing well, they so it misses its targets year over year. So it's not doing quite as well as they wanted to. And I think at the end of the day, right, like we've said this a million times, right, like Game Pass is a great idea, but at the end of the day, you can have whatever fancy frameworks, uh, subscription services, you can have whatever you want, but at the end of the day, it's about the games. And if, you know, Nintendo's got Tears of the Kingdom and Sony's got God of War Ragnarok, what does, what does uh, Microsoft have? Starfield. They have Starfield, right? Hopefully yeah, Starfield that's it. could be yeah. it. Like you can't sleep on Starfield. Starfield yeah. could Starfield be in could that be arena. It. It's just it's just that it's just that Bethesda's been thought of as a multiplayer for so long. We haven't seen them as an yeah. exclusive before. Starfield could be that. Starfield could be that. I'm not I'm not yeah. It fully could be that. It's just I have to reiterate year after year yeah. The Xbox fans have to hear the same thing. The games are coming. The games are coming. The games are coming. Right? No, like, it is exhausting. Yeah. I mean, Xbox had like nothing yeah. last year. It was just Halo. Next year was ex- especially striking, right? Where yeah. there was there was nothing. Although last year, right? Like, like obviously Sony had God of War and Nintendo had a few exclusives and stuff. But like last year, the conversation was largely dominated by Elden Ring. Yeah. Yeah, but I think even the diehard people with Elden Ring, you know. It was a few months, you know. There, there was room for other games. People were still hungry. Yeah. So, I don't, like... It's tough for me to talk about Microsoft in a negative way, right? Because, like, obviously I have my biases, so, like, everyone will take what I say with a grain of salt, but when I try to look at it objectively, as objectively as I can, I, I think there's a lot of places Microsoft still needs to sort of prove themselves, to stand along with their two direct competitors. And yeah, I, I guess to just end this on a semi-positive note, I think Starfield could be the beginning of something great for them. So, And I will certainly be playing Starfield day one. Yeah, Don't me get too. me wrong. So, Actually, crazy year for space games. Like, I, I'm going to count Returnal in this. Uh, Kerbal Space Program 2. Dead Starfield, Space Remake. Dead Space Remake. Good year. Also a crazy year for horror games. We're yeah. seeing like a horror golden age right now. Dead Space. We're seeing a Silent Hill 2 remake, Resident Evil 4 remake. Granted, they're all remakes, but like... Uh, we got the Callisto Protocol, the, even though that was These are some mid. of the all-time... Yeah, Callisto Protocol was mid, but like these remade horror games are some of the, the games that define the genre, right? So like Silent Hills 2, right? Resident Evil 4, which defined an entire era of games, right? Like... Yeah. It's an exciting time to be a horror fan. Now, okay, so do we have any other thoughts on Xbox? I don't think so. What? Okay, so how do we feel about, I don't want to say, like, everything else, but, like, I mean, we still have, I think Fortnite deserves a mention, right? Like, Fortnite. Fortnite's firing on all There's so right many now. Fortnite wannabes, right? That, I guess that's the best way to put it. Like, everyone wants a Fortnite. Sony wants a Fortnite, right? Like, half of the games, first-party games, Sony is developing right now are games-as-a-service games, which pains me to say, right? Like, but it's true, right? Like, they're mixing their portfolio, which is traditionally, like, single-player, story-focused games with 
these multiplayer games. So the, all they've got all these multiplayer games cooking because everyone wants a Fortnite. Like that's the golden goose everyone is chasing right now. Yeah. And not everyone can do it, right? Like uh I'm very sorry to report that the uh Iron Galaxy put out a letter today saying that Rumbleverse will be shutting down. Yeah, that's sad. So like and Rumbleverse was one of the more unique battle royales, right? It was strictly melee focused. It was wrestling focused. It was very goofy. It wasn't just like another third person shooter or first person shooter, right? Like and and that kind of makes me sad, right? Like the the margins must be so intense for games as a service games, right? And battle royales, where it's just like if it isn't the next big hit, it's not financially viable, which is which just sucks to see. Cuz Rumbleverse was a legitimately unique and very fun game i will definitely miss it that was like my favorite br of recent memory and it just clearly didn't get uh any traction so it's getting it, it didn't even it's not that it didn't get any traction it's that it didn't get all the traction which is what it takes for these games to survive yeah exactly exactly yeah. you said it better yep so like unless you're fortnite or apex legends you know or you know i guess call of duty Warzone, it's hard it's hard to survive in this environment yeah yeah and you know there's the there's the horrific behind the scenes that it takes to keep those games as a services going which is you know a lot of crunch a lot of constant updates you know Fort fortnite is getting updates every like two or three weeks like i i get a text from my friend yeah it's got to be like an endless sort of I like I, I'm just thinking from the developer's perspective. Like, for example, you know, I brought up God of War Ragnarok earlier. You you start God of War Ragnarok working on it. Four years later, it's done. It's shipped, right? Maybe you release a few patches afterwards to, you know, iron out some bugs, improve performance, or whatever. But then it's done. You've you've created a game. Like you can pat yourself on the back. You get a nice fat bonus or whatever, and you move on to whatever's next. Yeah. I don't know what happens with the battle royale, right? Like. Just endless uh, toiling away at that game. But, you know, like, Fortnite's one of the ones that uh, at least, uh, I guess if we're using the word mindshare, like we were earlier, like mindshare-wise, they nailed it. Yeah, for what it's worth. The only bigger uh, game than Fortnite right now is probably, like, Call of Duty or Minecraft. And even those are, like, debatable. No. Fortnite might just be the biggest game. Call of Duty is nowhere near as big as uh, Fortnite. Uh, I was looking, Fortnite was at... Uh, I just looking at current player numbers. Fortnite was at like one and a half million, and uh, Call of Duty was in the three hundred thousands. Like it's not even. Close. You looking at Steam? No, this was uh, what, 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 where was this? I gotta bring it up again. Because that three hundred thousand number really doesn't make sense, considering how much Call of Duty sold. That was right? the the Call of Duty player counter was how many people are playing Warzone right now. Was uh oh, we're talking Warzone. Warzone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. And Warzone is sort of uh, Fortnite's direct competitor, so it is an apt comparison. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is funny, right? Like, Fortnite... Oh, I got I got the Fortnite number wrong, too. The Fortnite was 2.9 million. <laughs> yeah. Fortnite, they were the ones who kicked off this whole craze. And uh, no one quite has been able to match them yet. Right? We got, we got people who come close at times, right? Like Apex. But Fortnite is still king, so... I just wonder how long that's uh, sustainable, though. Modern Warfare 2 is the newest uh, Call of Duty. Yeah. It's at 183,511 players online right now. Yeah, I just don't 
see that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I want to believe you, but Versus it's just three million like in Fortnite right now. <laughs> right now, yeah, it's just nowhere. It's not comparable. It's not even close. Yeah, I just don't know how accurate that is. Like, considering how much Call of Duty sold, right? Because well, Modern six Warfare Two on a Tuesday. It is like, six o'clock on a Tuesday, right? And I guess, well, I don't know. Yeah, I was just gonna say like. Call of Duty came out in like what October November and uh previously the best selling game of the year was Elden Ring which came out you know mid year Call of Duty quickly eclipsed that so I Call of Duty did sell more than Elden Ring and last we heard Elden Ring was like 15 million plus so well, Call unless of Duty people sells are just buying really well it and not among playing it people that probably only play it for a little bit like I don't know if that's true man like there are people who only play Call of Duty like it's it's their only game and there's lots of them Right, that's why Call of Duty is this golden goose that everyone's trying to get on their side. I don't know, but anyway, yeah. Not that I care too much about either Fortnite or Call of Duty, so whatever. I just want uh, I just want Call of Duty to lose. I know, all the time. Uh, so what else we covered? So we covered Epic Games, kind of. Yeah, Ubisoft got Ubisoft's kind of a mess right now, right? Like, so they're. They're going all in on live service games, right? With Assassin's Creed, um, what are they going to call it? Infinite? Is that what they're calling it? I don't know. But they're basically live service assassins. They're doing a live service Far Cry. I don't know, man. Just not really what I wanted to see from Ubisoft. So, yeah. I'll probably check out the Assassin's game just because, like, I have a soft spot in my heart for that franchise. But I wonder if the if the the Ubisoft that I enjoyed back in the day, if any facet of them is still alive, I'm willing to bet maybe no, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I just know that I hate watching Ubisoft's directs uh, because I always, or not directs, but like any of their showcases because I'm always like, now you're going to show Rayman, right? And then they don't do it. Nah. And then I've wasted uh, an hour watching nothing. Yeah. And I I guess if if we're talking about third parties, EA, right? Like, I actually really kind of dig what EA is doing right now, right? Like, EA Motive just released Dead Space, which I guess I'll get into when I talk about what I'm playing, but I'm playing that game and it is immaculate. Yeah, I've been thinking about it buying is it. Wonderful. They're releasing Jedi Fallen Order 2, That'll be or good. which is Je- Jedi Survivor later this year. So, you know, EA willing to show that, like, hey, Yes, we were initially all about these multiplayer games, all about these games as a service style games, but we still respect the single player game and we are willing to put resources to putting out quality single player games, which I really have to applaud. Um, it is a lesson I think Ubisoft could uh, maybe take to heart a little bit. I mean, Ubisoft... The, I don't know. The Ubisoft franchise that I still keep an eye on is Watch Dogs because Watch Dogs 2 was so fun. There was a was there a Watch Dogs three? Yeah, Watch Dogs, yeah Legion. Watch Dogs Legion. And yeah, and it was not, not very good. It yeah. was fun. It, it had a its gimmick kind of held it back where you could play as anyone. Yeah, it kind of it had a lot of potential that was kind of bogged down by performance issues, uh, at least on PC. So I never finished it. I I had a good ish time playing it though. It was just like. The writing was very difficult because you obviously there were no characters because every every single NPC was playable. So like they couldn't have a protagonist really. So the writing was like not as good as Watch Dogs 2, but the gameplay itself was still like 
pretty fun. And there was like a lot of choice. It was very system driven. Yeah, I- dude. I remember when the trailer for the first Watch Dogs came out. I was like, holy crap. This is going to be such a cool idea for a video game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it just kind of sucked. Watch Dogs but, 2 is really but, good, though. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at is, though, there's a lot of potential, I think, in Watch Dogs. Yeah. It's just a matter of realizing it. Yeah. It's fun. I just don't know if Ubisoft is quite up to the task right now. Yeah. But as we've seen with EA, companies can change. So I just want to point out Square Enix, too. They've got... Um, Square Enix, yeah. They've really leaned into NFTs. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they also leaned into NFTs after everyone had kind of realized that was a bad idea. Which is it is a bit weird. But Square Enix has always sort of come across as like that, like that kooky grandpa. Like that just yeah. is... I don't know. Final like, Fantasy 16 like, will be oh, good. Oh, grandpa. You're always talking about them NFTs. Like, I don't know. They're they're a bit kooky is what I'm trying to say. But like, yeah, Final Fantasy 15 or 16 is going to be huge. Like, that's the thing, though. Like, they have these insane, like, huge games coming out. But then they also turn around and talk about NFTs. So it's just like maybe like a tale of two companies there. I just need to hear more about Dragon Quest. That's what I'm itching for. Dragon Quest Twelve: The Flames of Fate, which is a sick title, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Dra- Dragon Quest always. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven: Echoes of an Elusive Age. Like, yeah, Dragon ooh. Quest stays having really good titles. Yeah, I like those. I need to get into Dragon Quest, man. I know you, I would like it. You should play yeah. Dragon Quest Eleven. It is like, yeah. so it's so. I mean, you'll love it just because it's Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I'd like it. You play as Trunks. Like, what more could you want? <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so a couple other things. I think we've covered at least the big third parties I want to talk about. But um, I want to talk about, I guess, Sleeping Giants. One, or maybe the only thing, is Rockstar, right? Like, Rockstar is hard at work at Grand Theft Auto 6, and whenever that comes out, that's going to take over the world. Yeah, but I don't think we'll see anything from Rockstar in 2023. So I think they will continue to sort of marinate and uh, work on whatever they're working on. I don't know if there's any other big sleeping giants to to note, but I did want to talk about indies as well, right? Like, obviously, obviously, it's kind of hard to like predict like the state of indies because like a lot of good indies just sort of come out. But uh, we're due for Hollow Knight Silk Song. We've been. Due. We are due for. I, that. I don't think it's coming this year. I, really? I, you were you were so confident. Yeah, I know. Earlier. I just I don't know. It's it's been too quiet. Something's got to be wrong. Something's wrong. Yeah, they. I don't know. Something is up. I. I wonder if it's just like a future creep type well, thing, right? The, the like, only they, thing I can imagine that they would be so quiet about is that they had like some idea, and they built a whole game around that idea. And maybe it's not working. And they got yeah. to the end and it just didn't work. And they had to start over or something. Because, like, I don't know, like, Team Cherry, right, has only made Hollow Knight, correct? Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, and Hollow Knight, one of the greatest games of all time, as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, it's insanely good. But, you know, is it... I don't want to even put this out in the world, but, like... I don't want to say, was it a fluke, but, like... Is, are they capable of doing that again? Yeah. Right. Was and it maybe lightning in a bottle? Some of that yeah. pressure. Exa- that's a, that's a better way to put it. Was it lightning in a bottle? And maybe the pressure they're feeling to sort of replicate that and exceed that is uh, 
is doing something over there. I don't know. Or That's maybe they just have enough money to do whatever they want, and they've decided they're just going to make an insanely big game. Yeah, maybe. Or, like, yeah, that could yeah. honestly be equally as likely as that they're just making the a game that'll make Hollow Knight look small in comparison, which is frightening to yeah. think about. I I don't know. I hope it's good. I really... I mean, I, it'll definitely be good. I just hope it's as good as Hollow Knight or better. I've been yeah, I've mean, been itching like, to replay Hollow Knight lately. That game slaps. Yeah, I, I I need to. I think I will before like once we get a concrete like release date for Silk Song, I will replay Hollow Knight. I could see is Hades two that we're getting that early access probably later this Hades year. Hades two, yeah. I don't think it's like coming out officially this year, but I think it'll be playable in some capacity early this year, which is exciting. Haunted Chocolatier, the the next game from the developer Stardew Valley. Uh, we don't know. But I could see, yeah. I, I bet we get news this year, if nothing else. We'll yeah. probably do another Deltarune chapter. I'm actually not yeah, cut up on that game. still gotta check that out. Yeah. All things being equal, right? Like, indies are the thing I'm least worried about. Yeah, they good. consistently manage to, and obviously indies is a very big umbrella, but like, every year there are indie games that are like must play titles. Oh, Animal so. Well. Animal Well is going to be the sleeper hit. Or, or not even What's sleeper that? hit, but it, Animal Well is going to be the indie hit this year. I'm like What's Animal Well? Huh? What is Animal Well? Animal Well is the uh big mode is publishing it. It's a oh, uh, it's Donkey's right. publishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was actually genuinely uninterested when I saw the big mode announcement for it and stuff. And their marketing in general I think has been pretty poor. But I actually, you know, looked at the game a little bit and um they're, they're saying stuff like, there's like three or four levels of game here. There's like a game you can play start to finish and have a good time. There's a mystery in that game that you can solve that'll be kind of like the true ending. And then there's going to be a layer deeper than that, and maybe a layer deeper than that, that are like, That's cool. you know, a really complicated puzzle, and then a community-wide puzzle. And they're already doing like ARGs and stuff leading up to develop or release. I really like stuff like that. Yeah, me too. So I think Animal Well is going to be quite good. I think it might scratch that uh, that Outer Wilds itch. That that genre has kind of finally gotten a name. Uh, Metroid Brainia is what people are calling. Oh, them. I've heard that before. And I'm yeah. kind of into that. So Animal Well is probably going to be my game of the year. Honestly, <laughs> there's a very good chance of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I saw the trailer and I thought it was neat looking, but. I didn't get any of the stuff you're telling me now, so yeah, it was that not, makes their it marketing's way more not been amazing. I, I had to dig pretty deep to find because I, I saw some streamers that kept talking about it, and I was like, "Really?" And I, I looked a little closer, and it looks quite good. And that, I know Dunkey is largely just like a comedian, but like he does understand what makes a good game, right? Like, and and of. having his seal of approval and sort of his support does mean something to me. Even though he's largely like meme driven, I I agree with that. But there was an article that they put out about Animal Well that was talking about how having their own custom engine let them have lower latency on their button inputs, and I I cannot stress enough how much that is hogwash. Like, there's no truth to that at all on any level. There's just no way. <laughs> Yeah, like like the lowest you're like it's a it, it is a it's coming out on PS5. I guarantee it's either running at 120 frames per second or 60. I it's almost certainly 60, which means that the lowest the input delay could possibly be is a 60th of a second, which is like 
way, you know, that's the input delay for most games. Like, you're not going to have over a frame of delay between your input and stuff happening in the game. It just doesn't happen in most games. What if their revolutionary new method is just, like, a USB cable? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's just a wild... Yeah, that's the other thing, is PS5 controllers are wireless. Like, I just... Yeah, that it, they just lost a lot of my respect for putting stupid stuff like that out. It's just wrong. Honestly, I don't know. Like they're still learning, right? This is their first time. Well, that wasn't this, them. So that was like them... the that was the developers putting that out. That wasn't oh, even big. Okay. Yeah, and so like, I feel like it. Ha- and it, it was like on a major like, you know, uh, it was on a major gaming website, and they should know better. Everyone involved should know better. Is what I'm saying. It really made me mad. Hmm. I, I'll have to check this out. Yeah. Read it for myself. It's just goofy. But, okay, so I think that summed up kind of where everything is at, unless there are things you guys want to shout out that I missed. No. Well, you heard it here, folks. We just covered all of it. All of gaming in an yep. hour and 12 minutes. All right, so we can get into what we're playing, and I want to go first today. All right. Like I mentioned before, I am playing Dead Space. Now, Dead Space, I never played the original, right? And what, back what in the day, the original 2012? 20 No, 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 way before that, like 2008, 2007 okay. maybe. Yeah. Wow. So, back in those days, I was I think a middle schooler and I did not affiliate with the horror genre at all, right? <laughs> like I didn't watch horror movies, didn't play horror games. Horror stuff was scary. I didn't like scary end of story right so dead space was one of those games like where i heard how great and how scary it was never played it never had any desire to play it fast forward to you know adult me i love horror it's uh and 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 that is a relatively sort of recent thing only in the past like maybe five or so years i've gained an appreciation for horror and now it's just like I, it's just one of my favorite things right like i love horror movies horror tv shows horror games so i pick up dead space remade by ea motive and uh it holds up completely, right? Like, it doesn't feel like a game that was developed in 2008. And I think there is something to be said about... First, there was, like, Demon Souls, right? Which was a PS3 game, remade on PS5. Now there's Dead Space, a PS3 360 game remade on uh, modern consoles. There's something about the era of those games, right? Like, those... There, were, there was, like, an experimentality in that era that I think... Uh, Maybe it doesn't exist as much today for for single player games. When we got games like Demon Souls, there was nothing quite like that. And Dead Space, like obviously, was heavily influenced by like Resident Evil and stuff. But like, it sort of carved out its own niche too in being like the first like really good, high quality premiere like space horror game. That was a yeah. That was a big era of experimentation for EA. Like that was around the same time Mirror's yeah. Edge came out. And, yes, uh, exactly. Mirror's Edge. Yeah. yeah, Mirror's Edge was great. Yeah, so so I, I'm a big fan of games from those from that era. And what stands out to me, right, like obviously like it looks gorgeous. It looks like a next generation quote unquote game. But like design wise, it holds up, right? Like and that's the biggest indicator of a game's quality to me. If like even if a game was developed, you know, twenty years ago or whatever, if the game design is still just as fun uh today as it was back then i think it's a timeless game and dead space feels like that to me right like if i didn't know dead space came out in like 2008 or whatever 
like I would have thought this was like a modern game. So is it like a room for room remake? Like they didn't redesign? No. So there is a little bit of redesigning happening here, right? Like so obviously like largely like the Ishimura, which is the space station you explore throughout the game, like that that is largely the same, right? But not even like so maybe I should should back up here. Like even the Ishimura has been updated, right? Cuz like and, and I read up on this because I didn't play the original, but like apparently the original Dead Space, like the Ishimura was separated into chapters. Here, everything is seamless. So even if you like enter chapter three, whatever, you could go back to an area of the Ishimura you previously explored. So it's all one giant connected thing, almost like a Metroidvania. It feels like a Metroidvania light almost, actually. And I don't know if the original game felt that way. So that is one thing, right? So... Uh, they've improved the sort of level design by making you able to go back and backtrack and stuff like that and not have, like, certain areas be gated off to certain chapters. And there's also something they added called the Intensity Director, which I guess is some sort of algorithm or something that watches, like, the state of you and your resources, right? So, like, it looks at things like your health, how much ammo you have, and stuff like that. And based off of... I guess, certain secret factors, it can spawn enemies at any time. So you're never actually safe while playing this game. So, like, even if you go back to a room you previously explored, like, an enemy can just, like, bust out of a vent and start, like, attacking you and mauling you. So you just sort of have to always be on your toes. And the intensity director really sort of just, it it amps up the horror in that way, in which, like, you never actually feel safe. Which is uh, it was, it's a pretty good feeling in a horror game. That's pretty But like, sick. just speaking about the game in general, right? So you play as Isaac. I think his name is Isaac Clark. But like, the game takes place hundreds of years into the future. You're going aboard the the space station Ishimura to investigate a distress call. And when you get there, you see like everyone has been mutilated, and there are these like monstrous creatures with like like basically scythes for arms and like really like they're called like necromorphs right yeah necromorphs kind of yeah so and long spindly legs right so um one thing unique to this game and i think like it's a pretty unique mechanic in general is that the 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 main weapon of the game is a gun called the plasma cutter and it shoots projectiles that slice either horizontally or vertically. So you can press a button to rotate the orientation of your gun to shoot horizontally or vertically. And you need to slice off the limbs of these monsters to kill them, right? So this is a very violent, uh, gruesome horror game. So once a necro... I think they're called necromorphs. Yeah, that sounds right. I think so. So when a necromorph is coming at you, you can fire your plasma cutter at their legs and then chop off their legs. And then they start dragging themselves on the floor with their arms towards you. And then you have to cut off their arms. And once you've cut off their limbs, you've killed them. And I love this, right? This is a very uh, Doom-esque thing. You can stomp on their corpse and shatter it into many gory pieces to gain extra loot. (laughs) So every time you kill an enemy, you press like R2, on, in my case, on PlayStation, to literally stomp their corpse to smithereens and get some extra ammo or whatever. And it's just it's so bloody and gory and wonderful. Wow. And uh, resource management, like, 
I'm playing on like medium and uh, I haven't really died yet, right? So maybe I could be playing it on hard. But like I have gotten to points in the game where I've like run very close to running low on ammo, like completely out I, of ammo, I think that's actually. for the best. Like I think a horror game becomes less scary once you die. So yeah, just, so I, just pressing I, yeah. against it is the best place to be in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think largely that is due to the intensity director too, right? Like yeah. Like, even if I run out of ammo, right, like, if, if if the game sends an enemy after me, if I find a way to kill it, I can get more ammo and then, like, eke out a way to survive. And, uh, I, I don't know, I think Dead Space, gameplay-wise, is really good at threading that line of just, like, n- not being frustratingly hard and, like, feeling like you're actually surviving. Uh, I think it nailed that, at least in the normal difficulty. And I'm, like... A little over three hours in, so and and this is not a very long game, right? Like this is a roughly ten hour game, like games were back in the day. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of a th- a third, maybe less, maybe a fourth of the way through it. Yeah, I'm having a a great time. Like I really, really like this game, and I'm sure I'm curious how closely exactly it compares to the to the you know the PS3 360 game I've heard some differences already like the intensity director and the interconnectedness of the Ishimura and stuff I wonder what else they changed but like the atmosphere in this game is immaculate you really feel tension when you're opening a door and like crossing a hallway and like they do really neat things with uh gameplay where it's just like okay here's this generator with three, like, uh, switches on the circuit, right? Like, one switch activates the elevator, one switch activates this door, and another switch activates the light. And to get where you need to go, you need the elevator and the door active, but here's the thing, you can only have two things active at once. So to get where you wanted to go, you had to shut off the lights and play in complete darkness. And that was scary. (laughs) And the game does little things like this, where it puts you in a position where you're just like, okay... I have to do this to progress, and it's going to be scary, and I'm going to get ganked by freaks, so let's just do this and get this over with. And I've had that experience a few times now, and I think it's really cool, where it's just like, the game's telling you, like, okay, the only way forward here is to, like, put yourself in this intense situation. That's awesome. So, yeah, so, like, everything, like, when the lights went out, everything was pitch dark other than my flashlight. And, like, obviously, that's when the enemies came out, right? Like, it it was a moment. Yeah. Um, it's also great that it makes you do it. Like, you have to voluntarily yeah. turn those lights off. That's great. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Like, the, the game design in this game, man, like, I'm telling you, it holds up, right? Like, the, the ideas are really strong. And uh, another thing that I encountered recently, and I'm sure there's more surprises as I play this game, so I might have an update next week. But, like, uh, there are zero-gravity sections in the game, and and they work really well, too, right? Like, the sound gets completely muted while, while you're in zero-gravity, while you're in the vacuum of space. You have an oxygen meter that ticks down, right? And you can fly. You have, like, thrusters, and you can change your orientation. And, like, uh, you have that uh, degree of rotation, like, on that axis. Uh, yeah. Like, like in, uh, I guess, like in Outer Wilds. Yeah, six degrees of freedom. Example. Yeah, yeah. Six, that's, that's what I was trying to say. Six degrees of freedom. And, uh, yeah, like, I think they nailed the zero-G sections, too. And it's it's Metroidvania-esque in the sense that, like, yes, you can go back and collect resources once you've gained certain abilities or, like, security clearances to access areas you couldn't access before. But you also get, like, powers, right? You get, like, a stasis power to slow down time, right? Which really helps with some of the fast-moving enemies or, like, a fast-moving door that you want to get past. 
you also get like a, a telekinetic power where you can like pick things up and throw them. And keep in mind, like, this is all technology-based, right? This game takes place hundreds of years in the future, so they developed the technology to be able to do these things. But those are just sort of two of the abilities I've unlocked so far, and I'm, I've unlocked, like, one other gun, so I'm, I'm curious to see what else there is in the game, right? Like, so, I don't know, man. Like, I'm having a very good time with this game. Uh, certainly uh, blowing my expectations out of the water, because, like, I always heard Dead Space was really good, but, like, this game is really, really good. Like, especially because, like, I really dig outer space, right? Like, so it's, like, a mixture of outer space, horror, third-person survival slash Metroidvania elements. It's just ticking all the boxes for me, so... Yeah. Highly, highly recommend this game. Yeah, I might have to grab it this weekend. All right. How about... Yeah, okay, go ahead. uh, I've been playing uh, the Hitman World of Assassination uh, freelancer update. So... We've we've sung praises at least for Hitman Three on the show before, and uh, it is no longer three separate games. They actually, if you had Hitman Three, then you by default you now have Hitman One and Two as well. It gives you all of them, and you cannot That's really smart. You can't buy them separate anymore. It is Hitman yeah. World of Assassination. It is one sixty dollar game now, which is just like I cannot. I know I've the said this value before. I'm going to say it again. It, it is profound. How like, much you are getting for that game? That's like, like twenty nine sixty dollars. Yeah, and and like when I, it's on like, sale for like thirty right map, now on Steam too. Right, like when I say map, I'm not talking about like a Call of Duty or Destiny map. Maps in Hitman are very intricate, thoughtfully designed, multifaceted levels that can be played like hundreds of different ways. Right. Yeah. So like the fact that you're getting twenty nine of those things is just. Like, you could play this game for hundreds of hours and not do anything else and not get bored. Like, I cannot overstate how incredible of a value this game is. And that's before they added the new freelancer mode. Uh, have you have you heard about this? Yes, it's like a roguelike mode. Yeah, right? it's a roguelike mode. So, whatever, you, you, you go into these old levels and you're killing one of the NPCs. Not to, It's not the original targets from those levels. It's I, I don't know how random it is, but it's it's a random character from in that level. And um, you can take different things that you have kept from previous missions in your safe house. And uh, essentially anything you have in your pockets when you leave the area, you get to keep and either store in your safe house or take with you on the next mission. So you kind of build up your uh, arsenal in that way. And you also get money for like doing specific missions. But what, what's really neat about this is that like there's no saving in this mode. You cannot save in the middle of a mission. And it... And in that way, it kind of encourages you to play through the mess, which is something that Hitman had kind of, it had been kind of, oh yeah, it had struggled exactly to get people you like, mean. you know, a lot of people like you get spotted, you would revert your save yeah. and you just, that's just not an option at all here anymore. You have to that's play really through. That's really cool because like a lot of the fun in Hitman is <laughs> figuring out how to deal with the mess, right? Like being seen when you weren't supposed to be seen, killing someone you weren't supposed to kill and just like dealing with the consequences of that. Because the levels in Hitman are so dynamic, right? Like, any situation can play out, like, in an infinite number of ways. It also, like, really encourages you to make a mess. Like, one of the missions I had earlier today was kill three guards with an SMG. And, like, in traditional Hitman play, I wouldn't even pick up the SMG. That's worthless to me. (laughs) Like, I'm not, you know, it's not a shooter. But now, sometimes it is. Sometimes, like, you know... 
that there are missions where you have like four people that you suspect are the target and you have to pick which one it is. But sometimes uh, a solution I had earlier was like, get them all in the same place. And then I just mowed down all four of them with an SMG and left. I had no idea which one of them was the actual target. It didn't matter. <laughs> Savage. And you, you don't get, there, there's no, like, there's no silent assassin bonus or anything in this mode. Like, you have your missions, you have your bonus mission, and that's it. There's no penalty for getting caught. There's no penalty, you know, you just so you what do you, get the what job do you done. get? What do you get when you successfully complete a mission before, right? You, you get some money that you can use to buy equipment, and you get the next mission. And uh, okay, every third mission is like one of those with the four people. And then I think it's 12 missions you have to complete to like finish a campaign. And I don't know what happens then, because I this this is the other thing. This game is hard. Like I'm bad yeah. at it. I don't remember these maps very well. And Hitman is a game that rewards map knowledge very highly. And, like, some of these maps, like, it's it's using Hitman 1, 2, and 3 maps. So some of these maps, especially Hitman 2, I don't know these maps anymore. Like, I have not played that game in so long that I, none of it's familiar to me. Like, the, yeah, the big I ones, I know Paris, obviously. Everybody knows Paris. I know Sapienza because it's, like, one of the best in the franchise. Also a classic, yeah. And then I know all the Hitman 3 maps pretty well because those were still fresh Dude. in my memory, but... Real talk, though, for what I wouldn't give to have the Hitman maps erased from my memory. Yeah. And just do that again for the first time. Like, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I I don't know. I, I highly recommend you, when you finish Dead Space, check out Freelancer Mode. Because it's, it's really fun. NL was playing it today, too, Northern Lion. And watching him yeah, play Yeah, I gotta check that out. That was pretty I forgot, fun I forgot well. it came out. Yeah. He's actually a little better at the game than me, which is a little embarrassing. But I, 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 I am floundering in this game mode. It's just very difficult for me to get... I, I don't have the patience for it, I think is what it is. And, like, in the base game, you have these perfect cycles where, like, you're going to get a really good opportunity to kill them at some point. There are stories you can follow and all of that. None of that's there. Like, this is just you, your tool set, and your ingenuity. And you've got to figure it out. There's no story to follow. I really like that. Yeah. Me too. I, 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 would, I really I would like love it. this. I need to check this out. Yeah. And some of them are easy. But some of them are like almost impossible. Like I had it spawn me in in a parking garage yesterday. Or maybe it was this weekend. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But it spawned me in in a parking garage. And I'm like, okay, I'm already trespassing. I can't find any way out of this parking garage. And there's two guards there. I don't have a gun. I had no equipment on me because it was like my first mission. And I'm just like, dang, what do I even do there? I and I, I, you know, I was able to kill those two guards, but not before they called for help. And then, you know, I got shot and I lost without ever getting out of that parking garage. So sometimes you can get like a really bad spawn. And then there's yeah, also I the fact that I'm bad the, at it. The nature of the randomization, maybe, maybe they could improve that. I don't. Yeah, part of forward. me wonders if I'm just bad. Like maybe that wasn't as unwinnable as it felt to me. Hmm. But it felt pretty unwinnable. I I don't like it when stuff gets really messy, though. I get frustrated. Yeah. So no, I mean, like, uh, I don't know. Like Hitman is just the gift that keeps on giving, man. It is. Yeah. I the only things, God, they refuse to back off on their always online crap. Yeah, that's dumb. Like you can play it offline, right? Yeah, but like, you don't get it, any it progression. Like, yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, and it's I don't know. That's part of the experience. I want that progression. I don't know. But it runs great. Looks very good. It has ray tracing and stuff on modern hardware. 
loving it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely on the list. Very high up very high up on the list. Just just very happy to have a reason to return to these maps that I liked so much because I had kind of played them to death with the default stuff. And it also is a reason to return to some of the maps I didn't like so much. Like Colorado, I hated that map. I never would have gone back to it by choice, but now I'm kind of forced to. Yeah. And like I still don't it's still like I I grimace a little bit when it comes up, but like it's not it's not a bad map. It's just worse than all the others right yeah and i i don't know man like i i want nothing more than ioi to just keep making hitman maps forever yeah but i think this might sadly be the conclusion of their work on hitman at least for the foreseeable future right because their next big thing is bond right yeah and that's also going to be insanely good that's gonna be insanely good but like man yeah like uh if they could just have like another team on to keep making Hitman maps, that'd be so good. But like, yeah, I mean, I can't really complain, right? Like, you get almost thirty, like immaculate. Yeah, I think my favorite right now is New York, the the bank one. New York's pretty good. Yeah, New York is so good. There's so many. There's just too many good ones to count. I, right Berlin now. hasn't come up in freelancer mode for me yet, and I'm just itching to play. Oh Berlin man, again. that might be the best one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And it has some like Berlin style mechanics too. Like there can be um there can be assassins that you have to like watch out for that are counter assassinating you. Man. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's a good game. All right. Mike, why don't you round us off? I I literally haven't played anything new in the last two weeks. Dang it's, Mike. It's been a slow two weeks for me. All right. Well, I can't make you play video games, so I guess we'll just have to end the episode. What? What? All right. Thank you all for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you use, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Click the link in the description of the podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yeah. See you guys next week. See you next week. Bye.